Welcome to Multifamily Real Estate Investing, presented by Mara Poling. My name is Pat Poling. I am the founder and CEO of Mara Poling. And I want to thank you for joining me for the next 20, 30 minutes or so for a uh, wonderful discussion about cash flow. Uh, we have uh, five elements that we look at when we think about return, uh, uh, hence the term total return. Uh, cash flow is the element that almost everyone gravitates to immediately. It's uh, a fairly simple concept, right? So if you're extremely new to investing, uh, the whole idea of I make an investment and I am given a certain amount of cash back over some period of time, that's just a very uh, obvious kind of concept. Uh, the other elements of the total return are uh, the growth in equity, right? So I make an investment and that investment, that capital balance grows in value over time. It appreciates. There are tax consequences of receiving cash and of having that equity growth. And real estate has the ability to apply some unique advantages to uh, the tax situation. And then there's two other elements which a lot of folks don't think about when they think about total return that we do focus on. Uh, one of those is the security of the investment. Uh, another way to say that, you'll hear the term sometime, people will talk about the risk-adjusted rate of return. Uh, by the way, there is no way to factually and accurately perform a risk-adjusted rate of return because it's all assumptions about what may happen in the future and how an investment might perform. Intuitively, though, everybody understands that if I'm uh, making an investment uh, in Las Vegas at the roulette table on either black or red, that there's a less than 50-50 chance, because remember, there's two little green numbers there. Uh, there's a less than 50-50 chance that I'm going to double my money, and there's a greater than 50% chance that I'm going to lose my money. So that would be on the risky end of the spectrum and investing in 10-year treasuries with the U.S. government uh, is the other extreme and in which uh, you could honestly say there is uh, no risk associated with that at all. So from that standpoint, uh, the security of an investment is another piece of the return. And then the final component that we look at with folks uh, and that we believe uh, helps make a total return for everyone is the stability. Uh, so if you have an investment that achieves uh, a certain cash return and equity growth and tax advantages uh, and has a certain amount of risk with it, but every day it's up 100% or down 50% and it's wildly moving back and forth, but over time has a trend line uh, and there are investments like that, then uh, that may be, you may have the stomach for that. Uh, there are lots and lots of folks out there, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say a lot of uh, you that listen to our sessions every week uh, are more in the camp of, uh, you know, I'm not looking for a roller coaster ride. I'm looking for something that's going to be more stable. Uh, hence, our focus for secure, stable, tax advantaged cash flow and equity growth. That's that's our target. So today we want to talk about cash flow, and as I said, it's it's the portion of the return that uh, just about everyone gravitates to initially in terms of, well, tell me about cash flow and how does that work? Uh, and which IE means, uh, tell me how much cash I'm going to get for making an investment with you. Uh, and by the way, that's uh, 
a great opportunity for me to let everyone know uh, all of the material we cover on these sessions uh, is something uh, that comes from our experience at Mara Polling uh, in the commercial real estate space, uh, including multifamily as well as a host of other uh, uh, asset classes inside uh, the commercial space that we have operated in. We freely share all of our learnings. Uh, we're happy to help each of you that are out there learn more about commercial real estate. We strongly advocate for individuals to have some commercial real estate exposure in their investment portfolio, in addition to stocks and other equities and bonds and other fixed incomes and commodities and cash and so on. Um, so we're happy to play a role in, uh, in helping everyone learn that. And probably, 90% uh, of what we share is applicable to any of you that might be doing this investing work on your own. Maybe you own a single family rental or a, or a duplex or a fourplex, something like that. Uh, these items that we discuss are going to be uh, applicable by and large. There's absolutely some things that are uh, reserved or uh, attributes that only occur for the uh, assets that we invest in, which are the roughly 100 to 400 unit uh, multifamily properties. Uh, and uh, and we've talked about that before, and there'll be other sessions coming up. Uh, and today, if there's anything related to uh, to that difference, I'll, I'll do my best to point that out. So let's talk about cash flow. If you have $100,000, and by the way, I, I use that number not because uh, everybody's got $100,000 laying around to invest. Some of you absolutely do, and that's what you're looking to go place somewhere, uh, and you might be working with us or with a firm like us. Uh, some of you, that's not your plan at all, but $100,000 gives me a nice round number to work with, so, uh, so bear with me on that. So you have $100,000 to invest, and you invest it in a piece of uh, commercial real estate uh, or a residential property, like I said, maybe a duplex or what have you, but you, you purchase family property, a piece of rental property. And at, after all the rents come in and all the expenses go out and then all the other cash items that need to happen, happen, the amount of cash that's left over, you get to keep. So you put $100,000 in and if over the course of the year, you have $5,000 left, then wow, that's fantastic. I've got a 5% cash on cash return. 5% yield, 5% cash return. You'll hear various terms for it, but something along those lines is, is the way it'll be described, but it's 5%, right? 5,000 divided by 100,000. So where's that $5,000 come from? That's, uh, that's really the, the thing I wanna get into uh, today is if you want to improve cash return, then how do you do that? What are the levers that you have at your disposal? How do I and Bill, uh, uh, Bill Mara is the Mara and Mara polling. I'm Pat polling, the polling and Mara polling. Um, how do we go about improving cash return? What are the, what's the mechanism for it? So that goes back to understanding the formula that derives cash return. Uh, so we start with tenants pay rent. Right, that's the first uh, step in the process. So every month, the nice people that live in the properties we own write out a check, swipe their card, do an electronic uh, transfer, however it is they physically go about it, they pay us their rent. Now, in addition to paying rent, they might pay 
some other things, right? So uh, maybe they have uh, uh, a pet that lives with them. And so they've got some pet rent, or maybe they have uh, decided that they want to have access to a covered parking space. And so they're, they're going to rent a covered parking space from us. Or uh, maybe if in some of our properties, there are, they have uh, garages, right? So maybe they're going to rent a garage. And so there might be some additional fees uh, or additional rents they pay. So you add those on as well. So you've got that amount of income that comes in. Now, keep in mind, the only people that can pay you rent are the people that have leases. So if we have 100 units in a property and only 95 of those units are leased, well, I'm not getting any rent from those five empty units. Uh, that's why vacancy, which uh, we've talked about before, and again, we'll have some sessions coming up on a little more focused on that. That's why vacancy is uh, an important factor to manage. More so on smaller properties. Uh, uh, the example I just gave, if I have 100 units and I have five units vacant, that's 95% occupancy, 5% physical vacancy. If you have a fourplex, well, you can't even have five units empty, right? There aren't five units. Uh, so you're either going to have one vacant unit and have... 25% um, physical vacancy, or two and 50% physical, or three and 75% physical, or you'll have the whole building empty and you'll have 100% physical vacancy, or you'll have it all completely filled and it'll be 100% occupied. That's a lot lumpier. Um, so again, when you think back about the objective we have for stability in an investment, larger assets generate greater stability. Um, and actually, that's a great chance to plug something I wanted to talk about, and that is make sure you listen to next week's session. Uh, we have a, a case study we'll be sharing lessons learned from a residential uh, real estate investor. Uh, so we've got some great input that we've received from a number of you, uh, our valued listeners, and we're going to be sharing that next week. So uh, make sure you uh, check in for that. Okay, so we've got the rent that comes in, and obviously that doesn't include rent from vacant units. Uh, and then we're going to have expenses that go out. So the expenses would be for any repairs that needed to be made to the property or any maintenance items. So you know, new hot water heater or uh, there was a leak in the roof and we had to patch it, those kinds of activities. Uh, there'll be uh, insurance for the property, right? So I have to have a policy. Now, that's not the tenant's insurance, right? Tenants should have their own renter's policy, but this is your insurance policy or the insurance policies we carry. Uh, our insurance policies are robust and have significant protections. Again, that's probably an area that's different. Uh, for example, revenue loss coverages uh, and the like, as well as uh, very substantial uh, protections uh, from a liability standpoint. Uh, taxes, property taxes and any other state and local taxes that might be due based upon uh, where it is that you uh, that you uh, reside. Uh, utilities, right? You may pay the utilities. The tenant may pay the utilities. Uh, in a number of our properties, uh, water in particular, it's often that, uh, that we'll pay the water bill and then we uh, charge that out to tenants and uh, in order to recover it, but that'll be in one of those line items, uh, and so on and so on down the uh, down the line. Uh, so you're going to have all these expenses. So those are actual cash expenses you're writing a check for. So you get revenue that comes in and you get cash that goes out. 
Uh, and that that line uh, then is below that is called net operating income, right? Uh, that is how much uh, income, how much profit this asset generates uh, absent any debt service, right? So you, you notice I didn't say anything about a mortgage payment and I didn't say anything about um, any other expenses or reserves. Uh, so NOI is an important number because NOI is the driver of all activity inside the financial model of a multifamily real estate investment. If you want to improve anything financially, you have to improve NOI. That's that's the lever that you've got, the, the biggest lever you have to, uh, to play with. Um, so if you want more cash flow, then either rents need to go up or vacancy down, which would be an occupancy up, or expenses need to go up, well, pardon me, go down, or rents over time need to go up faster than expenses go up over time. Any of those combinations work, but you need to improve and increase the net operating income. That's going to drive your cash flow. And NOI is not cash flow. This is probably the biggest uh, misnomer, if you will, that I run into when I'm chatting with listeners who have contacted me to talk about their single family rentals or their duplexes and the like is uh, often individuals will be quite proud of how much cash return they're getting. NOI, pardon me. NOI is not cash return. NOI is part of how you calculate cash return, but it's not where you stop. And here's the reason why. There are two more items that need to come out before you can get to the actual cash return. One of them is reserves, in particular capital reserves, reserves for larger uh, infrequent capital expenditures, uh, roof replacements. HVAC unit replacements, uh, structural issues. Uh, so let me give you an example. Uh, we uh, invested in a property um, uh, a few years back, uh, several hundred units, again, like we just described. And we knew going in that the roofs sometime over the course of five years were going to need to be replaced. We not only set some money aside when we purchased the asset, but we continued to reserve money every month so that when it came time to do that roof replacement, we had cash. How many times have you heard stories of individuals who have had a small rental property that they own themselves and something bad happens, right? Uh, the roof starts to leak uh, and they need to replace the roof. Uh, the They start having plumbing problems and find out that actually the uh, the plumbing in the property needs to be uh, fixed. Uh, maybe uh, maybe the uh, uh, waste line uh, going out to the uh, sewer uh, in the street needs to be repaired uh, or replaced. And suddenly they're looking at $1,000, $2,000, $3,000 in expense. Well, where am I going to get that money? Well, if you're setting a little aside every month from every unit, which is what we do, then you've got that money to do those things. And that helps you sleep well at night. 
uh, and gets you off of that roller coaster that we talked about. So everybody should be doing some reserves. Uh, we reserve a certain amount uh, for each and every property. We're also required to do that by our lenders, which is the other half of the cash flow equation. If there is debt on the property, then debt service, the loan payment, needs to happen before you get to that bottom line cash number. So let's uh, so let's just look at an example here, and again, I'll keep the math kind of kind of simple. And this is uh, this is more illustrative than mathematically uh, uh, detailed. So uh, if you made an investment, again, that hundred thousand dollars, and you get some cash that comes off of that, right? So you might get cash on the order of, um, like I said, maybe you get five grand a year, and I'm you know kind of. Uh, making numbers up here just for conversation purposes. So you get five grand a year, that's a 5% return. If you took instead that 100,000 and bought two properties, right? And used debt, used 50% debt. So you put 50,000 in one and 50,000 in the other, and you borrowed $50,000 on each of those. Well, the assets are still gonna generate $5,000 in potential cash flow, but now you've got a debt service. So the cash flow has gone up to 10,000, but now you've got debt service. Well, the debt service may be between those two might be $4,000. Well, now you're getting a $6,000 return. So when you use leverage, your returns will go up. When you use leverage, you are increasing the risk because now if something happens on the property, you have to generate a certain amount of cash in order to become, uh, to cover your debt service. 50% um, leverage is quite safe. Um, uh, that tends to be where what we target and where our assets end up over, over time. 60%, um, 70%. Uh, very reasonable numbers. Uh, we absolutely acquire assets with leverage that looks like that. 90%, 95%, 100%. And I know there are places where you can go out and probably secure something that looks like that. Uh, those are extremely high amounts of leverage and you're sort of dancing on the knife's edge. Yes, your returns will be much higher. The risk, right? So that element of uh, security uh, the risk on that is much higher. So again, if you're looking for a, a stable, secure, modest return, uh, you probably won't be using leverage of that amount. If you're not using any leverage, you're leaving some money on the table and adding some leverage isn't going to add any risk, right? If you, if you have a property with no leverage on it and you take out a 50% loan, when you do the math, it's, it's going to be very difficult to assign any obvious risk uh, to having that in place. Um, any risk you might experience having a 50% loan uh, is probably the same risk you would experience if you didn't have any loan on it at all, uh, any debt uh, at all from that standpoint. So, um, so cash is the rents and other income that comes in from the tenants. The cash expenses, things you actually write checks for, that gets you to net operating income. And then you're going to subtract whatever the mortgage payment is, whatever the debt payment is that you have to make. And then you subtract the amount of cash that you're setting aside for reserves. When we do that on our assets, we end up with numbers that are in the 8%-ish range, something like that. Some a little less, some higher, 
some significantly higher. Um, but those are the kind of numbers that uh, that we see and that we think are, are very achievable in the multifamily uh, space uh, when you look around. And again, when you look at that from a risk standpoint uh, of having modest risk associated with that and then the tax advantages and all the rest throw on top, um, it becomes a really healthy component of that five-piece uh, total uh, return. Uh, so if you're talking to someone like us uh, and you hear a cash number, uh, now you can ask some more detailed questions. How do you get there? What kind of money do you reserve? What kind of uh, debt service do you have? What sort of uh, leverage do you put on the assets? Um, how fast are rents going to grow relative to expenses? All of those are the numbers and uh, data points that will help you learn more about the uh, cash that is being forecasted. And when you're looking at your statements, uh, we send out uh, statements every quarter to our investors that have all of this uh, very detailed for each of the individual assets. Uh, and you're able to then go through and actually see how that flows, hence the term cash flow, right? How it flows all the way through the asset to understand, oh, okay. Here's how, here's how all that math worked to deliver the check I received this quarter. I understand why I got this much money. If if the person you're investing with can't help you understand and provide you the detail to show you how you got the amount of money you got, um, then uh, you should ask more questions. That would certainly be uh, our advice. Um, so we talked about uh, total return. Uh, all of those items, we've got lots of great detail on the Learning Center at marapolling.com. That's M-A-R-A-P-O-L-I-N-G.com. Uh, I have lots of wonderful interactions with our listeners. Uh, uh, every couple of days, I'll get an email from somebody, and uh, and we'll end up hopping on the phone for a few minutes. Uh, I love those interactions. They're great. Um, so if you have questions about cash flow, or any of the math I just walked through, or if you have questions about uh, investing in multifamily real estate, again, we'd love to talk to you about working with us. If you're thinking about working with somebody else, I'm still happy to talk to you and help you understand the multifamily space. Um, by the way, if you wanna understand more about the multifamily space, uh, go to the Learning Center, uh, the very top of the uh, webinar list, you will see uh, our recent session on the state of the multifamily market for 2019. Um, uh, watch the session. It was really enjoyable. We touched on lots of great information around interest rates and cap rates and uh, the recession uh, that is coming. Um, uh, we gave an extremely accurate date for when it's going to show up. Okay, no, we didn't. Uh, but we did discuss uh, that it's coming, that it's going to be sooner than later, uh, and what everyone should be, not only should be doing, but should have been doing in order to be to uh, be prepared for um, uh, for that eventuality. So check all that out. Shoot me an email, pat at marapolling.com, M-A-R-A-P-O-L-I-N-G.com. And make sure you tune in uh, next week as well. So Tune in, listen to me. What an old guy I sound like. Uh, so subscribe uh, so that you don't miss next week's session uh, when we do the um, the case study on a residential investor. I think you'll all find that uh, quite interesting. So thanks for joining us, and I look forward to seeing you again next time 
on multifamily real estate investing presented by Mara Poling.